Welcome to the Black on Black Education Podcast, where we interview the most brilliant minds and connected hearts to discuss our shared passion for the transformation, the revolution, reimagining, and recreation of education in the Black community. My name is Eva Loren Jean Charles, founder of Black on Black Education and New York City High School teacher. And I'm Jamal Thomas, her partner and dad, education enthusiast. And we're, and we're your, your host. host. Please don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, to enjoy the episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Black on Black Education Podcast. You are about to listen to an episode between myself, Eva Loren Jean Charles, my co-founder and father, Jamal Thomas, and Mr. Brian Keith Harris II. We are so excited for you to listen to this episode all about serving Black boys because in order for us to see the education system that we need to see, we need to look at the intersections of identities and figure out the best ways to serve them. And Brian Keith Harris II is the first person we wanted to talk to about the intersection of being Black and being a boy. So please, please sit back, relax, grab a snack, and enjoy the episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Black on Black Education podcast that has been a long awaited episode. So I am very excited to get into it. As always, we kick it off with our guests telling us who they are, what they do and why they do it. All right. So good evening, um, everybody. I'm Brian Keith Harris II. Um, I am the director of outplacement and graduate support at the Bishop Walker School in Washington, D.C., which is a tuition-free Episcopal school um, for boys kindergarten through fifth grade. Um, I'm also the founder of Sons of Freedom Dance Institute, which is an organization that nurtures character, increases social awareness, and builds spiritual foundation for black and brown boys uh, through classical and contemporary forms of dance and movement. The founder of Cultivating Young Kings, which is an organization that supports teachers and schools and school districts who work directly with black and brown boys and the author of two books, Freedom's Design, 20 Days of Empowering Black Kings and the children's book, I Am My History. And I think I do this work for all of our black and brown boys who have been discounted in life. All of our boys who have been discarded and in a real sense, their dreams, their possibilities and their potential has been aborted. Um, I do this work so that they can realize how special they are, how amazing they are, and also so that they can walk into their destiny and become the men that they've been created to be. Absolutely positive. Well, wait, wait, we can't keep going past that that intro. Like he didn't just put a whole like he was boom. I am <laughs> done. I love it. I love it. God damn. <laughs> The White Sox hat and the African garb, you know. Yeah, that's like, right. That's for those, for those on YouTube seeing it. But you know, it's, I mean, I've, I've had the pleasure of, uh, of of rapping with Brian um, a bunch over the course of the last uh, year and some change. Brian's been a part um, of the Black on Black Education um, Conference. We have hosted clubhouse rooms together, mm-hmm. um, and the energy that he brings to the space, you know, it, it it extends beyond just you know the laundry list of incredible things he does on it on a day to day basis, and so. So um, I'm looking forward to this convo and, and, you know, some of the stuff I know, but I, I, 
I know that you guys um, are, are in for a treat as well. So um, one thing that, uh, you know, you, 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 you're teaching boys, you know, you're, you're working at an all boys school. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what, what made you specifically work um, in, in that setting? And I'm also curious of what, you know, some of the benefits and perhaps some of the um, the 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 lack of benefits there are um, for you know kids going to you know all boys or all girls schools. Yeah, so you know it's funny because me working in an all boys school didn't start with me working in an all boys school. Okay. In other words, my desire um, to work with boys really stemmed from my own experiences as being a boy dancer. Um. I've grown up around the arts all of my life. Um, my parents knew at a very young age that I was going to be a preacher, a dancer, and a teacher. And we give God praise because that's what I am. <laughs> um, but at a young age, I was in dance classes and I was the only boy, you know, and um, it didn't always feel the best. And so um, when I began Sons of Freedom Dance Institute, I wanted to provide that opportunity for the young man who's not an athlete, but rather an artist to pursue his artistry, to celebrate his artistry and to embrace, you know, his authentic self. And so that's where my um, passion for working with boys began. As I was able to work with Sons of Freedom throughout these last 13, almost 14 years, I've been able to see the benefit of boys, one, having a platform for them to express themselves artistically, having a platform for them to engage and to share with other young men, as well as for them to have a platform to share what they're feeling and experiencing in their life. And so as a result of that experience, I said, hey, I want to take this not just to you know, the dance studio, but I also want to continue this work in the context of a school building. Um, and so that kind of really began the work or the desire to work with boys of color. It's funny. I graduated from the Sam Dewey Proper School of Theology in 2006. And the day of my graduation, I received a journal as a gift. And the first thing that I wrote in my journal was, I want to start an all boys Christian school. Right. And, you know, way, you know, out of my mind, didn't really think that it was going to happen. But I said, if I write it down, then it will. And here I am working at an all boys Christian school, right? The benefit for me of working with um, all boys, particularly those in kindergarten through fifth grade, is that we have an opportunity to really shape and permeate the way in which they see themselves, the way in which they articulate their dreams and their goals and aspirations, as well as the way in which they see their history and their cultural legacy. As a result of them being so young, we have that opportunity to really shape you know, their identity. That's one piece. The second piece, particularly for my school, is that we can be unapologetically um, you know, advocates of, of, of spirituality and spiritual foundation. And I don't mean religion or scripture as, you know, people oftentimes associate, you know, a religious school with, but I mean, really giving boys an opportunity to dig deep within um, and understand and recognize their own genius. Mm. And so that's one of the, those are two of the things that I love most about working in this context. I think the other thing I'm working in an all boys school is that you have an opportunity excuse me, particularly for black and brown boys 
to see other examples of black and brown men who are doing positive things, mm-hmm. right? They're able to see a reflection of themselves. They're able to see their possibility, their potential all wrapped up in their teachers, in their school leaders, and the people that they interface with and interact with on a regular basis. And that is what our young men need in order for them to you know, become the men that they're supposed to be. They need to be around other, young, other men. They need to see you know, other men. When I think in terms of what the disadvantages are, you know, this is going to perhaps come as a surprise. I don't see any disadvantages, right? I don't see there being any, especially in this particular grade band, kindergarten through fifth grade. Mm. Now, I do think that perhaps there needs to be a level of, you know, connection um, with 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 girls, right? Um, and I think that kind of, you know, is more important in middle and high school. Um, But I think in this elementary school context, understanding where black and brown boys are and how black and brown boys are viewed and stigmatized and criminalized and victimized and all of those pieces in our society and our world, a school like this is something that is essential and it only is a positive thing. I I just want to I want to say salute, you know what I mean, because, um, you know, I know I had so many. you know, black men that I, I could look up to, and and I know that it, that it's 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 lacking in in far too many places. And um, the fact that you guys are are are, are providing that um, is 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 key. Yeah. Um, you you mentioned something around writing in your journal um, that you wanted to 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 uh, have um, an all boys school. And while you know you don't own the school, you're at a school. You're doing that thing that you wrote. It doesn't always look exactly the way it looks when when we write it down. Um, I, I, I used to say when I was young that I wanted to um, get an RV and take a tour around the country. Um, and, you know, I never bought an RV to take a tour around the country, but, you know, somebody hired me to take a tour around the country, yes. and go to a bunch of different high schools and learn about, you know, education from a collective of people. So it didn't look exactly the way that I thought it would look, right. but it was something that, you know, ultimately is, um, yeah, ultimately it, 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 it's something that uh, I, I, I want everybody to kind of pay attention to, man. Write that down in your, you know, in your journal, because I I just love those stories where you write something down and way later on in life, it becomes a reality. Absolutely. And it's so special, right? Because sometimes you forget those things that you write, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And then, you know, somehow the universe and God brings it back to your remembrance and actually makes, you know, that thing happen. The other thing too, that I want to say as it relates to kind of manifestation and affirmation um, I got in a space because, you know, I'm also a preacher. So I got into a space where I was like, God, you know, I want to have more opportunities to preach, you know, to go to churches and to preach and to spread, you know, the gospel, the true, you know, liberation theology gospel. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, you know, I was praying for that heart and I wasn't having those opportunities. And it's so amazing because God said, you want preaching opportunities? OK, I'll give them give you preaching opportunities in the context of chapel. And so I have an opportunity to preach, you know, to these amazing young men, right, to pour into their lives. And so what you're saying is so true that it may not look the way that we initially dreamed of. Right. But if that thing is something that you write in your heart as well as in a journal, it will come to pass. Mm, I love that. I love that. And even just like getting the opportunity to to hop in when you started to talk about there not being disadvantages, particularly at the age of the students, I think that what 
what you all are doing, although it is obviously gendered by saying this is a boys school that comes in for this, it's right. giving them the opportunity to look and reflect on their own gender in a way and what their gender role means to them and what their gender identity means to them without having to look at others. Mm, you know what I mean? Like, think of, like for me, I'm sitting here thinking about what would it have looked like to me to grow into a black woman ever having the space to be a black woman with other black women and, and just engage and think about what that looks and feels like for all of us. So I, I love the fact that students be, are gonna have that opportunity as they're growing up and they'll have such a foundation going into wherever they go yeah. um, after. And, and, and it just connects me into the next question where I talk about like, we do not talk here, black boys and social emotional learning in the same sentence often enough. That's so right. we really want you to talk about the necessity that is having social um, social emotional learning embedded in um, a school, but particularly in a school that's serving black, uh, black and brown boys and talk a little bit about, again, how for those who are like, okay, but why are we doing it? How it helps support them socially, all, how it supports them mentally and how it supports them academically. Yeah, you know, and so I think one of the things that we have to look at as it relates to the social emotional development of children, um, specifically black and brown children, and then specifically black and brown boys, is that our children are not given the opportunity to develop self-awareness, self-management, you know, uh, decision-making skills, social awareness, relationship skills. They're not always given that opportunity in the academic context, right? And the reality is that if they're not given the opportunity at the place where they're spending most of their time, then chances are they will not have those particular skills that they need to be successful in life. And so the very first thing that's so important for all of us, particularly for young people at the, at the beginning of their, of, their, of their education career, is for them to have a sense of self-awareness, for them to understand who they are, for them to understand their emotions, for them to understand how to articulate those emotions, for them to understand their role in their family, in their community, in their school and in the world. And if our school systems are not doing the work of making sure that our children have these skills, then they won't have these skills, right? And not only will they not have these skills, but when they go out into the world, it will further perpetuate the racism and oppression that occurs in our world, right? And so we've made the decision that we would make sure that our boys develop these skills while in school. It's important for them to develop it so much so that much of our work, if not all of our work, academic included, is wrapped around the development of their social and emotional skills. Um, so that's just kind of one, 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 one reason why that is just so important. The other reason that is so important is because of the many or the myriad of trauma, traumatic experiences and stressors that black boys have that are extra and that are additional to them being black, right? They have some extra kinds of traumas that they're grappling with and dealing with on a daily basis. So it's important for them to have an opportunity to unpack those particular traumas, right? If they unpack those traumas in a productive 
and in the right way, then they will be able to develop these skills. And one of the things that's happening is that as a result of us not really giving our children the opportunity to unpack the trauma, not having trauma-informed practices in our classrooms, our boys and our children don't have those opportunities to truly learn these skills because they're so focused on and so immersed in their trauma and in the stresses that they're experiencing. And not just trauma from you know, generational trauma, not just social economic trauma, but also media trauma, right? Our children are forced to see people that look like them victimized and killed on television, right? Also historical trauma. Our children don't have a true understanding of their rich history, heritage, and cultural legacy, right? And so it's all of these types of traumas that contribute to a low sense of self, that contribute to a falsified identity for our children. And so when we pull back those layers and we begin to unpack those traumas, we have to replace those traumas with those particular skills that our children will need in order for them to be successful in life, right? Because that doesn't happen often. One of the things that I think that is so amazing about our school and the work that we do and also the work that I do in the dance company that we really are intentional about our boys being mindful. And so we incorporate mindfulness. Sometimes when people say they incorporate social emotional learning or they incorporate mindfulness, they always, in my opinion, talk in terms of it being a program, not a way of life or a, or a way of being, right? So we do mindfulness and social emotional learning as a way of being, and everybody is engaged. It's not a program that the teacher shares with boys. It's not something that the teacher says, hey, you guys do this. It's something that everybody in our school, including the leaders, are invested in being a part of. And so mindfulness, the practice of mindfulness is very helpful for our boys because it gives them that opportunity to have those self-awareness skills, right? It also gives them the opportunity to think about some of their decision-making, right? And how their decision-making impacts other people. And that is definitely one of those social emotional skills that they're going to need. And then it creates a sense of empathy. It's those relationship skills now that we're talking about. Because if I'm more aware of what I'm feeling, thinking in the moment, if I'm aware of myself, then I can be more empathetic to what you're feeling and thinking in the moment. And we may find a connection there. Both of us may be feeling a sense of frustration or a sense of anger or a sense of sadness or a sense of joy, right? And so when we practice those um, mindfulness opportunities, when we give space for these things to grow, our boys develop those skills um, that they need to be successful um, and that they need to engage with other people. Oh, wow. I really love that. And I think like what came up for me while you were talking about the importance of social emotional learning for them when you touched in on the historical trauma. Yeah. I think we often do communicate um, in the education space about the trauma that is currently existing in our communities, but we don't talk about that feeling being a child in the classroom and how we teach history as a collective. You're sitting there and you're like, yeah, so I come from the slaves. That's right. And that's good. And I and and they and they don't give you any nothing to process mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like you tell us about these three like great black people, and all the rest of you are just out here struggling. And that's what black people are. But then, like, look at all this great stuff white people did, and and kids are processing that. Like they're they're understanding that that is what 
really Chadwick? That is what um, what their history is. And they have no idea until they get to, and how many people I've heard, until I got to college, until I got to so-and-so, that is when I found out that this is who I was or this is what my history really was. Mm. And if if we were even given the opportunity to reflect on how it might make us feel to heal our history in that way, I think that a lot of, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now about critical race theory needing to get banned mm. and all this other stuff because people would begin to recognize, oh wait, like the way that we are teaching this does make these kids feel this way. That's it right. doesn't make kids look at themselves this way. That's it doesn't right. perpetuate the same dominant culture that we that we're seeing, you know? And and so I loved that piece. I mean, I loved everything, but that really just like stuck out to me as something that's important to continue to communicate about in particularly the history space, allowing kids the time and the space to be mindful about how the information that they're getting makes them feel in that moment and how they can articulate that back to someone to get a teacher who might be, who might be, oh, I don't, that cultural responsiveness, I don't know how to do all that. I'm not, if a kid comes to you as a teacher and says, you know, it makes me feel such and such to never see somebody who looks like me, da 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 Think about what a teacher would then do to their practice when they hear kids being able to reflect in that way. That's that's beautiful. I already see your kids being change makers when they go to whatever high school they end up in. <laughs> and, they, and they are, right? When they go to, and we hear these stories, right? They have a strong sense of self, it, you know, it really does make a difference when we're able to um, teach our children about the, the truth of their history and how their history has not and did not begin in 1619, right? When they're able to understand that, that they are a part of a group of people who were creators and inventors and, you know, mathematicians and scientists, it gives them a sense of pride and it also in a real sense mends that broken or bifurcated identity or self that they're walking around with. In, in, in other words, in other words, um, we have to realize that our children are suffering from a fractured soul and a broken spirit. When we think about what is your soul? At the seat of your soul is your culture, your heritage, your history. And if you in some sort of way have been disconnected from that history, from that heritage and from that culture, or been given a, um, a, a mitigated understanding, or like I said, a bifurcated or separated understanding, then you're going to walk through life with your soul being fractured. It's never, it's never mended. And if your soul is not mended, then your spirit remains broken. Your spirit are your dreams, your aspirations, the things that make you you. And so you can't truly walk into your spirit if your soul is broken. And so one of the reasons why it's important for us to, one, have this understanding of this cultural trauma or this historical trauma that we experience, one of the reasons why it's important for us to understand the role that social emotional develop, development and learning has in our school, it's important because that mends our children's soul and therefore awakens their spirit. And so that's why that social emotional piece is important because it's in those spaces that our children are able to do that work of mending. Yeah. 
And, you know, it, it, it brings me right to, um, you know, one of the areas where we connected um, and, and, and back at the, the, the conference, um, you were part of the social emotional learning and the arts panel. Um, mm -hmm. Which, by the way, happened to be, you know, the the, the part where people, we got the most kind of praise and like, oh, this is my favorite part. You know what I mean? So, so salute to you for y'all were popping in the survey. We just let Amen. you know. Amen. Popping. It was awesome. It was an awesome time. Yes, it was. So, you know, in, in, in thinking about, you know, our kids' spirit and in thinking about, the, you know, their, their souls, one of the things that um, allows them to explore um, the, the deepest parts of themselves is obviously the, the, the arts. And, you know, for you, um, it's dance. I imagine there's some other things um, in, in school as, as in, in school, in, in your school as well. Um, and I'm curious, you know, the intersection between uh, social emotional learning and the arts and maybe you can give us a story or or, or two um of a kid that was like this you know just you know he he just wasn't you know he wasn't there for it um and he got exposed to you know a little bit of dancing and it just opened him up um or some other type of art yeah so when i think about the intersectionality between social emotional development and the arts the arts almost becomes the vehicle that brings to our children those skills, right? They don't just know how to, you know, have those decision-making skills or that self-awareness. The arts gives them a, an opportunity to learn those skills and learn the tenets of those skills. Um, the arts is something that in a real sense, I, I would say synthesizes everyone, right? The arts is one of the things that, or one of the entities that children can access without having any prior experience, all right? Everyone can access the arts. You know, some children don't, don't do as well, you know, in a particular math subject or a particular, you know, um, in writing or in reading. But as it relates to the arts, that's something that all children can access, right? And so that's why one that's so, that's so powerful. Because they have an opportunity to access it, we have then an opportunity to embed those skills that they would need to develop in life um, through the lenses of the arts. When I think of the many stories, it's hard to kind of pick out one, um, but I'll try. Maybe I'll figure out a way to give one and a half, but um, there, was, there was a particular young man who is, let me think, he's probably at this point a freshman or a sophomore in college. Mm. At this particular time, he was in the second grade, and he was a um, product of a single family home, single mother. Um, he was, you know, given an IEP um, and just really walking through life, not knowing his full self, not knowing how dope he really was. And I don't like to say angry or mad, um, but he was really frustrated at his experiences and frustrated where he was. And um, every single time he would, at this time that, that, that I, was, I was teaching dance at this time, and he would come to class every single day. And just like you did, I mean, you didn't even know him, but he would have those hands folded. He'd be in that corner and he is like, I'm not dancing today, you know? And, um, you know, talked to his mother and I said, hey, I want him to come to the dance studio and I, I want him to kind of be in a different context, not in school, let, let's just see. And the first time he began to move, um, I was in tears just because, you know, he finally let go. Um, and throughout the time that he was in Sons of Freedom, you know, he struggled. 
but you could see that he was beginning to open up. When he left Sons of Freedom, um, the very last, I think, month, we went into an IEP meeting. Uh, month of the school year, we went into an IEP meeting, and um, the advocate said he, he no longer needs to have an IEP. The dancing and being a part of Sons of Freedom has really helped him academically, um, and it's really helped him with who he is. Um, that seems powerful. But the most powerful thing is that probably two years ago, I saw this young man at a football game and I'm sitting on the stands. I'm, I'm going to try not to cry. I'm sitting on the stands and I hear this loud voice saying, Mr. Harris, Mr. Harris. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of used to that. You know, I, I've gone in public. People are always saying my name. And so just all the kids that I've taught. And I look up and I said, man, you know, I said his name. I said, man, you, you, you are, you're, you're, you're like an old kid now. How are you doing? I'm sorry. And he said, Mr. Harris, not apologize. (laughs) He said, Mr. Harris, I'm doing really well. I want to thank you because before I met you, I was really angry. And you gave me something that I could look forward to. Mm. He said, I no longer am a dancer. But I learned so much being in Sons of Freedom, and I want to thank you. And he gave me a big hug. You know, all these boys are like, who is this man? You know? Um, And just he was just so just, you know, unashamed, you know, with with, with saying, like, how he felt. And um, that was really a beautiful moment. That was the moment that I realized that the work that we put in and the power of the arts has the potential to help our children heal Mm. and become who they're ultimately supposed to be so much so that they're able to acknowledge their gratitude for an experience that many of them didn't even know they were having while they were in it. Mm. Mm. Um, And so that's just a really powerful, you know, experience that I had. The other piece is on the flip side, right? where there was a student who wasn't angry. There was a student who knew exactly who he was and what he wanted to do. And he just needed an opportunity for me to pour into him and help him get to where he was going. This student came to me in the third grade. And first thing he said was, are you my dance teacher? I said, yes. He said, good, because I want to be a famous dancer. I said, okay, cool, let's go. And, you know, he was trained and taught all through elementary school, all through middle school. He went to performing art high school and he is now a junior at the University of Las Vegas, full dance scholarship, um, doing amazing, already being looked at by some professional dance companies. And I bring that story up because the power of the arts not only helps those children who don't know that they need the arts in order for them to get to where they need to be, but it also helps children who know who they are and need someone to continue to affirm and nurture that inside of them. He knew who he was, right? And as a result of me continuing to nurture that, look where he is, you know? And so that's the power of the arts. And that's how we can use the arts to teach those particular social emotional learning skills that our children need. Wow, wow, wow. I like, I'm over here like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I'm, yeah. yeah. And and I mean, 
unapologetically so, because that is such a powerful story. Both of them are such powerful stories. And it just speaks to what having an educator who deeply and intrinsically cares about who you are as an individual. That's right. Student comes after, but who you are as a person, it shows what that means to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and to have a student turn around and say, thank you years later shows that it's not, it's not, it's not them. (laughs) That's it. It's, it's not them. That's it. You need to be the kind of teacher to make the child want to thank you in 15 years. That's right. That's right. You wanna, like I'm sitting here. I mean, I'm in year one. All y'all know. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm not. I don't. I don't have those stories yet. Yeah. But you're coming. It. You. You. You sit in it, and you're like you. When my students thank me for answering the phone on Saturday, or they thank me for. Oh, it's 10 p.m. and she's trying to help me with my homework or all these other like when they when they thank me for that things. I know it's genuine. But for okay. someone all those years removed to still sit back and say, hold on, let me let me thank this person. I'm sitting here looking at Sankofa right behind you. Mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Like This is what we're talking about. It's building community. It's reaching back. It's looking. It's focusing on the future. But knowing that the only way you get to that future is what what came behind and it eloquently brings me just into the conversation that I wanted to have about trauma-informed practice because I think that there are a lot of people out there that are disillusioned who believe that you're some magical unicorn. (laughs) That's right. No, you care. Like (laughs) you're an incredible individual who came into the right profession and who cares deeply. So just, I mean, as we continue just, to go, really quick, Eva, I just wanted to just throw out, but because I don't want to, I don't want it to be to lose, you know, the, this arts piece, and and for policymakers out there who might be listening, um, where where they're cutting arts programs um, yes. from 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 schools, you know, it, it's the, the the story that Brian just told. It it's, it happens all over the country for the people who do have the the, the benefit um, of of teachers like him, but who have programming um, that that even opens up the space, you know, for that type of connection with uh, with students. So when you go about the business of cutting these things. Out out of the budget and and you know in order to to get better at, at teaching to a test you you are not um, one thing is giving a student life um, another I, I don't want to be as hyperbolic as to say it's giving them death but you know it's it's it, is. it, it could lead them and if if they don't you, have we talked no it's not could it's happening it look is. at the around how students feel around testing time. Look at the statistics about how students feel about 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 like going to school and the emotion related to school. How many kids didn't enjoy virtual learning just because they were so angered by the fact that school had now entered their safe space. Mm, yeah. And 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 even the reality is that the the arts is one place that children who don't perhaps have opportunities to shine academically it's a place for them to shine and it's a place for them to feel a sense of belonging. It's a place for them to be affirmed and to be nurtured so that they can develop those skills and then take them back to the academic setting. Yes. And so what, what, what we have to understand when we start cutting back the programming is that you cutting back the programming to add more academic programming is not helping at all, right? It's hindering and it's harming. Right. The more we 
give our kids those opportunities to heal, the better academic outcomes they will have. We cannot expect for our children who are dealing with stress, anxiety, and trauma. We can't expect them to do well on any test because they're trying to survive, right? They're just trying to survive. And so when we give those children those opportunities in that space, you know, i.e. the arts or mindfulness practices or, you know, community circles, whatever that platform or space looks like for those particular schools, when we give them that opportunity, they're able to absolutely heal and they're able to deal with and handle that trauma. Right. And so schools have to understand that, like you cutting back the arts is not about programming. You are cutting back the lifeline for so many children. Uh So that's why what you're saying, Jamal, is so true, because it is death. Right. It's emotional death. It's spiritual death. It is. You know, so our children are walking around, you know, um, walking wounded Uh and not wounded healers. I've just recently become like one of those policy, you know, folks, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Joining my local school board. I got to be careful, you know, with, with, with what I say, you know, not now. No, you don't. <laughs> you locked in for three years. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I hear that. He knows I'm a, I'm, I'm the radical. You, you, they already, <laughs> what they going to say now? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, and it's important. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really steeped in truth. And I do believe that there are after, you know, during this pandemic time, I do believe that there are schools who not all, but there are <laughs> schools who are beginning to understand that the traditional academic setting, the way in which they're approaching academics is not the right way. And it's not helping children in any way. And so many schools are beginning to develop these social emotional learning spaces. Let me also say this too. When we're developing these social emotional learning spaces, we have to also be careful in bringing in some of these curriculums that don't pertain to our children, that don't pertain to the trauma that our children are experiencing or to the experiences of our children, right? Um, And so I'm an advocate for oftentimes, you know, coming together and and looking at those, you know, particular social emotional, you know, pillars, and then the school itself creating or crafting um, a program or or, or a curriculum that would speak directly to the needs of their particular children. Um, So I just want to kind of give that out there too. Absolutely. No, I mean, I love that. It, it, it just, it connects to something we think about in, in, in general. And this is from a social emotional perspective and, and pedagogy in general is if you look at whatever it is that's going on in the person's community um, and you start to say, um, what's the problem happening over there? Oh, there's no stores. Um, the, the, the stores are all gone. Why are all the stores gone? Um, you know, I'm not sure, you know, everybody, the pandemic, it's, you just start inquiring, inquiring, and letting their minds just just run wild on the problems and challenges of their own neighborhood. Because inside of those problems is the seed of opportunity. And so you you now, you, if you teach through opportunity, you're teaching us something that's tugging on their heartstrings. You're teaching us something that actually matters to them. Um, right. and, 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 and if you give them the, the, that social emotional tool set that you're, that you're talking about, and you give them the, 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 the uh, 
I don't know the word I want to use, but 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 if you apply the subjects through through these challenges that go on um, inside of our communities, that is something that 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 takes the the, the mind, the body, and the and and the spirit. It ties them all up into one, and it allows students to say, you know what. I actually like coming to this place. This makes sense to me, um, which helps them to start to be people who can make sense of the world. And, 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 and last thing, it also gives their families the skills that maybe their families need hmm. Talk about you it. Know, to deal with the social, emotional things that their families are experiencing. Yes. That's why it's so important for it to be tailored to that particular community. When you think in terms of self-management, self-management in my community may be different than self-management in another community based upon what we're experiencing and how in some sort of way our community is um, you know, relegated to living in poverty, right? Like all of those things matter. And so, you know, I, I oftentimes hear people say, you know, we, we chose the social emotional curriculum, it's not really working. And I'm like, it's not gonna work, right? Like, cause the communities are not the same. And so take those particular pillar pillars and begin to craft your own thing, which is kind of what we're doing, right? Like at our school, I, I talked to you guys about my summer project. And so we have developed five pillars or five core values that we really want our boys to develop while at the school. And when they graduate from the school, they'll be able to have these particular you know, core values with them. And so what we've decided to do was take the core values and then embed those social emotional learning skills in each of those core values. Right. And so as you're working on one of the one of them is, is independence or being independent. So as you're working on the independent piece, you're also learning decision making. Right. Because that goes with being independent. Right. In order for you to be independent, you got to make some good decisions. Right. And so. I think that's also something important, too, that schools can do. If schools are saying, hey, like, we don't know where to start with that, start with the core values of your particular school, which should have been developed and which should be developed based upon your particular school, right? Don't go get somebody else's core values. They need to be something that are essential to your school. Yeah. Take those core values and use those social emotional skills and embed those into your core values. And then that way, you know, you'll be able to have a program, you'll be able to have a set of um, tools that children are really able to, 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 to take in and they're really able to learn um, as a result of what you created. Mm, yeah, I mean, and, and, it's, and it's living into what it means to be an anti-racist teacher, what it means to be a culturally relevant teacher. Using that reflection piece, move, using the 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 needs of the population that you serve, and building from there, not building from what the state standard is, and then trying to implement the rest of these things at the end. It needs to be both. It in a school, the core values, the trauma informed practices, the cultural relevance, all of those things should be just as important, if not more important, and more time spent more than. Important the focus on the the content and what the specific academic standard is. Because at the end of the day, I spent a whole school year teaching kids stuff they ain't never gonna use in their whole entire life. But those yeah. conversations that we had in breakout rooms that we weren't supposed to be having, I know they'll remember those. Absolutely. And and they 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 will develop the skills that were that were taught in those particular conversations. Exactly. Right. And those are the things that are necessary. They need those skills in order for them to do well academically. If I don't have a space to heal I, forget the math. I, what am I do with it? What am I going to do with it? 
You could create as many programs around math, all these math. It's not going to matter because my mind, I'm not even in that place. And so we have to speak to this. Yeah. I can't be no astrophysicist if I ain't well. That's right. Who's getting through the PhD program unwell? Because I know I, I got all my friends who done did it. And they'll tell you, you need to be together. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I mean, we, we touched on so, so much about <laughs> what it takes to build these Black boys, to think about what it, what, what it takes to do the work that our kids need, not what the standard needs, right? right. Um, and so, I, I mean, if you was listening to this, but you was only kindly listening because you was in the car and you wasn't taking notes, like, I'm gonna just need you to do it again. And just Because, I mean, Brian Keith Harris, the second, gave you the blueprint. So I'm gonna just need you to get it together. Um, and so th- I mean, that just beautifully segues us into our last question, which is always the same. Um, you're you're now the interviewer and you get to ask us a question um, about what we're working on, what's going on with Black and Black Education, about the topic we just talked about. This is, the show is yours. You are the interviewer. All right, I'm gonna start with a comment that's gonna lead to a question. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> the comment is, I'm sorry, I didn't change up the whole thing. I'm not trying to, but the comment is, um, the conference, the Black on Black Education Conference, was really powerful and impactful. And I think that it really created lasting change for many educators. My question is, um, as you guys look to do this conference again, what is it that you will incorporate that will be new, um, that will really help um, speak to the things that educators will need um, in the fall. Mm, I love it. Dad, do you want me to go? Um, so one, thank you. I It's always very, very, very beautiful to get feedback on something that like, while you're doing it, you're like, yeah, this is cool. But when you get the feedback at the end, it, it is always really um, impactful and helps push you to continue to do the work. So thank you so much. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the theme of the next conference, we'll just announce it here, whatever, um, is back to school, uh, creating the new normal. And so this this whole idea of everyone like, oh, I can't wait to get back to normal. We going back into, mm, hold on. I know you're saying it for like little, little ditty bop, but no, I'm not, I don't even want to sit, even using the word normal, we need to f- maybe figure out another word. Like we need to create a new normal and we need to do it together. So I think that what we're, what we're really trying to focus on is, one, the things that are effective and ineffective leaders want and the bureaucratic part of being an educator. So collecting the data and under how do we do that? But how do we do it in a way that continues to show our leaders that they are focused on the wrong things? There's ways to give them what they asked for. So I'm going to complete this survey, but I'm a, it would be really effective if we did, yes. which is just telling you that what you are currently doing is ineffective. So let's yeah. figure this out. Um, so we want to talk about like the, the, the school politics of it all, but also talk about what creating the new normal in your own classroom looks like, what creating the new normal looks like in coalition with other teachers. We're starting a Black and Black Education Teacher Advisory Board. So starting in August, we are going to have teachers from all over the country together to frame the content, frame the knowledge, frame the conference, frame everything that we're putting out. It needs to be based off of the people who are out here doing the work, right? And so 
we want educators to come together and be in community with one another and talk about what is going on and how we take what is going on to better support our kids. This worked for you, awesome. How do I make it work for me? So we really just wanna do panels and workshops that one, enlighten you, inspire you. Cause I know for me, I have constant inspiration doing this podcast, do, doing Instagram lives, being in this beautiful education space. I have that inspiration all the time. So I have that push, but I'm talking to educators that unfortunately don't have it. They don't know where to find it. So really, the the next Black on Black Education Conference coming at the end of August, we really want to create community. Um, And in addition to creating community, we really want to make sure we're honing in on pulling that, oh, we're getting back to normal. No, we're not. We're creating the new normal. We're going into this post-COVID world where we're going to have the COVID slip. We're going to have summer slip. We're going to have children who have been at home for all this time and forgot how to talk to each other. We have a much, much larger issue than we are even accounting for. And we need to be and we need to be really, really serious about how we walk into next year um, thinking about, yeah, we tied it at normal thing. What what are we going to now normalize? Trauma-informed practice, social emotional learning mindfulness embedded in the curriculum, not as a program. Everything that you talked about, that needs to be in the new normal, not going back to that old that old crap we had. <laughs> yeah, that's so powerful. And it's going to be so helpful because I feel like many schools don't often know either, right? So it'll be even great for you guys maybe to really reach out to some of those school leaders and really have them to be a part because we're going to yeah. need we're going to need those skills, right? Or need those, you know, that insight um, as we, you know, go back to our schools um, yeah. and create this new normal. So that's really, really awesome. Was it one question or multiple questions? You can ask one more. You can ask one more. Okay. <laughs> so, um, okay. This, this is, this is a question. This is a little push. Um, this is a little prophecy. I don't know. Um, in the fall, um, I will be coming out with my third book. And um, my question to you guys is, if you were to create or, or write a book, which you should be thinking about, um, what kind of book would you guys write? What would it be about? How, how he, he been in our planning meetings? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, interestingly enough, we, we, we're definitely uh, are working on um, on on books, you know what I mean, children's book series, um, but other things as 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 well in terms of just uh, you know some product development or card decks, puzzles, you know various different things that that are going to be u- utilized to uh, you know to 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 really stimulate um, students students' minds. So um, right. you know if if when we think of black on black education, we we think think of it in in this kind of totality. I was in. Um, I was in uh, Wegmans today, um, and this lady. I, I'm I'm on. I had a my headphone in, and I'm looking at something on YouTube, and I hear somebody like, "Excuse me, excuse me, like, wait, what?" I turn around, and she's like, "I really love your shirt," um, and she and I'm just like, "Thank you." She's just like, "People today, like, it's they just if they don't know that education is you know just the the the, the way." And this is this old white lady, um, and 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 I really wanted to get my burger, you know, in, but I'm. Listening yeah. I told her, you know, you can get one on black or black education, um, dot com and stuff. And yeah. and I, I I say all that to say is that people, you know, everywhere are are, are super duper open um, to, to to whether we be books, whether there it's there's a recognition that 
if we are going to get out of all of these challenges that we have in this world, it's going to be um, because of education. And so we we, we fancy ourselves as kind of like uh, we want to be a hub um, for all things black education transformation. Um, and so all of those various different products that I just alluded to are, are, are part of it. Um, so the books that 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 are designed um, with social emotional learning, you know, involved. It, it wouldn't just be one book. It's like it's a series, and yeah. um, you know, we, we had a journal that we that we that we put together that we've decided that we're going to shift how we do it and make it a card deck instead, so that so that teachers can uh, inter interact with, uh, with with students and ask um, pertinent questions. So. Anything that is going to make you use the word self-aware earlier, um, things that are going to make teachers more self-aware of how they um, influence their their students and make students more self-aware of who they are capable of being. Um, those are the type of things that we are going to put together um, over and over and over again. And and you know that this is this is the going to be the work of our lives. So yes. um, you know we 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 love connecting with folks like yourself. Um, we we look forward to continuing. Maybe we will co-author a book together. Well, yes. 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 Do it. I'm so down. I'm, I'm all I'm for it. So Brian, why don't you tell people, you know, what ways that they um, might be able to to support you? Where can they go to find your, you know, your your your, your books? Um you know, where can they go to find you? Just, just you know, give people kind of the 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 spiel. We we want people to support Brian Keith Harris. You know, how do they do that? Sure, that's sure. That's so, that's uh, that's 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 uh, uh, yeah, I, I love that. So, so many of my friends always say that the second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, people can find me um, on my website, BrianKeithHarris.com. www.BrianKeithHarris.com. It has all of the products um, on there. Freedom's Design. I am my history. It has a free mindfulness guide and it has like four different activities that teachers can use in their classroom. It's totally free. Um, if, if people are looking to buy I am my history, I want to encourage, strongly encourage people to also purchase the teaching guide that comes with I am my history because it gives teachers an opportunity to continue the conversation after they read the book. Um, the book is kind of short, right? And so for teachers to say, hey, like there's so many wonderful topics that come out of this book, that teaching guide will really help. Um, there are some activities in there. There are some writing prompts. There's a word search. There's like a coloring sheet in that in that particular thing. So yes, www.briankeithharris.com. And then I'm on all forms of social media as Brian Keith Harris. Um, not the second. I don't know if you put in the second. <laughs> Um, as Brian Keith Harris, you know, it's funny real, real quick about the second. I have to put that on there um, because as I've become an adult and doing this work, sometimes people will send different things to me or reach out. And they they were reaching out to my father, who has my exact same name. Um, and so we've had to kind of be a little bit more intentional with him being Brian Keith Harris senior and me being Brian Keith Harris the second. So I love um, it. I love it. I'm and listen. That's your name. That's like, my name on my birth certificate. <laughs> Listen, I love it. So, I mean, that was another episode of the Black on Black Education podcast. 40, oh, 53 minutes, 14 seconds of pure gold. And I, I mean, I'm obsessed. So there's nothing else to be said. We'll see y'all later. <laughs> appreciate you, Brian. Thanks for being with us. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you guys so much.